Hi, this is Dr. Carl Goldcamp. A um, few things I have to say. One is we personally are involved both as a lifestyle, a ketogenic diet, but also through my 16 years of clinical practice of what is effective. What do people need to take sometimes, all the time, to support their ketogenic diet? You'll get bits and pieces of this ongoing week after week. It's important to be comprehensive. In one way, it's simple. and one way, it's a little bit complicated. Hi, this is Dr. Carl Goldcamp back for another episode of the Keto Naturopath. First, let me welcome you back. And um, before we get into today's topic, which is a continued conversation with keto newbie, Brian, and his progress, which has been tremendous, that I want to mention a little progress that we have been uh, achieving in the background that I would love to share. Uh, For one is, I didn't know this, but we are now downloaded in 14 different countries and uh, our popularity is gradually growing. It's it's new to me because I am unaware of all these things and my intention was uh, certainly to grow this, but not necessarily to uh, commercialize this, which we have not done. So I'm very pleased with that. So some of the things we will be developing purposely is like, I would love for you all, anybody out there. Um, and if you're in Norway, you can put it in Norwegian cause I can read Norwegian and speak it. Um, put your questions in an email, send them to me because I will be happy to cover them on the show. It's everybody has their own questions. And that's in part why we have this conversation with Brian is to cover a lot of these basic questions where I can bring in not only the history again, which I love covering as you know, uh, but some of the medical and some of the nuanced difficulties that we all have. None of us are identical, and therefore we all have individual challenges physically, mentally, but we can all learn the basic information together. So that's my word. If you have any questions, put it in an email, send it to me. I will jump over the moon and I'll shout out your name should you want me to. And uh, thank you for the question. And we will get going for that because uh, the point of this whole thing is to be relevant to what you're doing. Make this real. Okay, with that. So, Brian, I have your chronometer up in front of me on my computer. And uh, I so appreciate the fact that you have this a shared chronometer. And... Um, I get to look over your shoulder. You know, I, I'm, I'm half uh, the physician looking at data and I'm half feeling like I'm a stalker looking at your life, <laughs> you know? So I just, I got to go with the physician side. Um, let me cover the obvious. One of the things that you wanted to do in the course of this, which is kind of on the top of most everybody's list, is to, to drop weight. And you started and you dropped a, a pretty quick 12 to 14 pounds and you plateaued for a while. And if this data is anywhere near correct, you just like blew the bottom out of that and dropped another uh, pretty much eight or nine pounds. You're now down 20 pounds as an average from where you started. Uh, give me some feedback on how that feels and what you think drove that. Uh, it's really funny. Uh, regarding how it feels, I literally haven't noticed anything. I, uh, regarding, regarding my, my mentality, I feel like I have done absolutely nothing. And I think that is the very, very best part about it. My clothes feel a lot better. Um, energy wise, I'm feeling fantastic. Mentally speaking, uh, regarding my sharpness, sleeping a whole bunch, dreaming a bunch too. I know we were talking about that in the past episode. It's been pretty great. Um, so far ketogenic diet has been working out. So when somebody drops 20 pounds, you know, 20 pounds, you go to the gym and you probably have some kettlebells or something around. But, you know, have you gone over to pick up a 20 pounds would be divided by 2.2 kilograms. And so that's roughly about an eight kilogram kettlebell. That's not insignificant. I mean, 
that's a size. If you hand it off 20 pounds to somebody and say, go work out with this, they could have a tough workout with a 20 pound kettlebell. Oh, so yeah, absolutely. What'd you do with it? Are you like, are you like wearing a sheet now to work or what? Because (laughs) that's significant droppage. You know, my shirts are a little big. Um, you know, my pants are starting to, uh, uh, I'm required to wear a belt now. I haven't bought any new clothes yet. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm kind of at the point where, because I've actually dropped a bunch of weight once or rather twice before in my life. Um, the biggest drop that I ever made um, was back in high school. I dropped from about 208 or 207 pounds. And this is when I first started wrestling. And I think I finished my senior year wrestling varsity at 140 pounds. So that was probably the most significant wow. drop that I made. But, you know, that was that was a drop that, you know, that like wrestlers make. You know, um, I was a lot of crash dieting, um, a lot of working myself far beyond the point of exhaustion. Nothing that I would ever wish or tell anybody to do really for any circumstance whatsoever. The other time was when um, I was playing around with intermittent fasting. Um, I managed to lose 30 pounds in one month. The amazing thing about that was that I managed to gain 20 pounds in the preceding month and a half afterwards. So what I find Mm. so cool about this is that that 20 pounds that I lost, I've lost this over the course of what, five going on six weeks now. And, you know, Mm. the only the initial drop was what I noticed the most. That's like when I was feeling the feeling lethargic, you know, had no energy. My body was adapting to, you know, my blood sugar being a little lower and all that stuff. But that said, once my body started getting into the groove of things, you know, I'm, when I get on the scale from one day to the next and I realize that I've lost a pound or I've lost half a pound or I've lost anything, I'm usually really surprised. I'll like, you know, I'll put my hand on my stomach. I'll be like, well, I don't feel like it's any smaller, <laughs> you know? And, you know, mm-hmm. but I know that mm-hmm. it's, a, it's just a gradual process and I'm just letting it do what it does. I'm trying not to think or have any anxiety about it. And I mean, I'm feeling great. So... What have some of the people said around you? I know that you work in a pretty intimate situation there uh, for what you do for your day job. I wonder if there's been any feedback there. And also at the gym, because you take jujitsu pretty seriously and you're pretty accomplished. Have people sort of commented either way saying, uh, dude, you need to get a smaller suit now? <laughs> uh, I'm not quite there yet. I'm still a size A2 kimono. But, you know, um, and I'm not sure if I'll ever be able to get small enough physically to fit into a smaller size. Um, even if I do end up losing that extra 10, 15 pounds just based on my height. But that said, you know, um, Anthony, he was one of the first people to be like, hey, bro, I mean, like, I, I see this is obviously working out for you. Um, this is definitely the one that you should stick with. And, you know, definitely no brainer. Definitely the one that, you know, I, I'm trying not to think about end game here, quote unquote. I know that we had like a 60-day trial period that we're going to be doing with a ketogenic diet and everything. But as everything has been going and as much as my desire for snacking and all of that stuff, my, my, my relationship has, with food has just changed so, so drastically that I just really don't see myself changing so much after the fact just because it's, been, it's, it's working. I like the way I feel. If it's not broke, don't fix it, right? I agree. I agree. In part, the reason I was teasing that out of you is that – as you can probably guess, we had a uh, um, somebody PM us on through the Facebook group who uh, was very interested in the ketogenic diet, and you know they have oh this person now is uh, it's a woman, and I think she's five four and she now weighs about three hundred and twenty pounds. Mm-hmm. She lost seventy, gained it back, and so on. So she obviously is very when people are so I don't want to say the word desperate uh, hyper motivated to lose weight. Mm-hmm. 
that they tend to overshoot and not do the patient things that one needs to do just to get this started one step in front of the other instead of saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to I'm gonna run a mile. Uh, I said, no, we don't want you to run a mile. But it, it, weight loss is a big deal, not just for for people. You know, you have a you set yourself up for a big assignment as well. I mean, we have those data up front. Um, there's others with even, you know, they're obese, yeah. uh, period. And they have some serious issues and they also just don't want to look at themselves in the mirror. And so I, I, I ask about that because um, I see uh, weight loss with a ketogenic diet as merely a side effect, not an objective. And it, and it's something that happens along the way, and there's no mystery about it. We've covered that. There's no mystery about it in the sense that your appetite decreases, therefore you eat less, fewer calories consumed equals weight loss, period. That's how it goes. Uh, you can go into a little bit of the hormonal and so on, but it's not that sophisticated is that you're less hungry, you eat fewer foods, you know, as we've talked about, and we'll get back into it again today, I'm sure. But that's the key. And, um, you know, it's just become when people start reaching out to you in that way, I think she was too embarrassed to make that post in the Facebook group and realize a lot of people are putting some faith in this way of eating, this way of life. And they, they want to know that it's uh, bonafide. Going back to you, you remember how we first got started to say, you know, I'm going to list these particular kind of qualities of life. You know, you did sleep, you did energy, you did mental, mental focus, and certainly you did weight and so on and so forth. Do you still have that list sort of loosely in front of you? And and I know we talked about your, your sleeping better and now you're dreaming and that's a, a, a big deal. What are some of those other qualitative changes uh, apart from weight that you've noticed? Okay. Um, in you. The very first one that I have to have to mention is um, level of energy. Now, uh, I used to drink coffee all the time. I was notorious for drinking coffee here at the office. Um, we are super, super spoiled and we have an espresso machine. We have uh, access to some excellent espresso. Um, and we also have a coffee machine um, and we're always stocked up with coffee. And I would literally make, and I'm not even joking, I would make 12 to 14 cups of coffee in a day. That's, that's just a work day from, you know, your uh, 8, 8.40 in the morning till 5 p.m. And I would say probably a little less than half of those would probably have a shot of espresso in there. That was me trying to make up for the fact that I do not sleep enough, I don't sleep well at all, and that I need to stay alert. And I was trying to make up for it by overstimulating myself, thinking like, oh, you just need coffee, and thinking it was anything like that. I The only reason that I make coffee now is because I actually enjoy coffee. I'll have one cup, if I have one at all, I'm pretty sure you, every cup of coffee I've had since I started keto is actually recorded in my chronometer. I think I've had less than six of them in the last five or six weeks that I've, that I've had them. But over the course of time, I was playing around. You know, I was using the I was using the heavy cream. I was doing the butters. Uh, I was doing a little bit of the coconut oil, the MCT oil, um, all that stuff. Love it. Kind of figured out my own little concoction that I like. But I just I just have it because I like to drink it. Um, it gives me a nice little boost um, if I feel like I need it. But in most cases, I find myself getting the desire to make coffee, literally forgetting that I want a coffee at all and just chugging along throughout my day. It's awesome. That was probably, that's probably the first one. The second one would probably be quality of sleep. For many, many months prior to me doing, uh, switching over to a ketogenic diet, I would wake up once or twice a night, every single night for months and months and months on end. 
And, you know, I just got used to the fact that, hey, maybe this is just normal for me. You know, uh, apparently um, my dad used to go through the same thing. I've ha I have a couple of friends um, who work in similar field fields who uh, tell me that they are, they're similar, they're, their experience is similar. But the biggest difference is that these people, you know, they either work at night, you know, and um, are ending their day while it's daylight out, which I know is kind of difficult to get used to for some people. Some people don't get used to it at all. But another is uh, people who keep irregular patterns. But I'd be going to bed every single night at like 10 o'clock, 10.30, 11 o'clock, you know, as often as possible, still dealing with the same uh, scenarios. If I go to bed early, I'd wake up feeling groggy. I'd try to sleep in. It's the same, more of the same. But now I'm not really sure. I have no explanation for what it is besides, you know, the fact that I changed my diet. But every single night I'm out like a light the moment that I get to bed. When I wake up in the morning, I feel incredibly rested and that. Even if that was the only reason why oh, I, I did the diet, if that was my only reason for doing it, um, totally do it. It's so worth it. Uh, I don't. I, I can't. I can't say enough. Cool. I want to hold, put a bookmark in where you are because mm -hmm. I know you have more things to go through. Um, I want to emphasize, besides good sleep is fun, you know, your dreams, everything else. It's like going to another world. We all enjoy it. Going to the best movies. It's you're you're in there. But apart from that, why why it's so helpful in weight loss. So I'm going to have this as a theme is weight loss. Why it's so helpful because, you know, where do you get your sources of sugar, right? They come from obviously eating carbs. Carbs get converted into sugar. Glucose, pretty straightforward. So where does it come after that? Well, protein also can be converted. Excess protein can be inverted at some sort of measurable point over what is consumed. It gets converted into glucose as well. Okay, we have carbs, we have glucose. I'm sorry, we have carbs, we have protein, get converted into glucose. That's why when you measure this diet, for instance, with epilepsy and others, is that you put the carbs and the proteins in the same groups. You add up those grams and you compare them to grams of fats. The fats are the ones that convert into ketones. And so that's a way of, you know, so you call it a, a two to one diet, you know, and a ratio. Um, so we, we, the conversation tends to stop that, oh, it's carbs and proteins are the source of glucose. And you know, the fourth, the third category and probably the largest category of sugar is endogenously produced sugar because of stress. You know, not because, you know, and the liver obviously has something to do with that. That's the one that converts to the glucagon, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but so what does stress have to do with sleep? Well, a person who's preoccupied, stressed, or stressed out, doesn't have a good quality of sleep. In other words, the other people call it uh, sleep hygiene. So the fact that you've just creamed the obstacles to good sleep, in other words, you're getting good sleep now, you're getting hygienically good sleep now, is that you have now decreased a whole category of glucose production that you were having before. So it's a little bit like saying inadvertently, you just tailored your diet, your sugar diet, to in a whole different category, and that's a dramatic change. And it, what you're really leading to, you know, I mean, it's it's such a small thing, but it's a big thing. So I mean, it, it affects insulin, it affects fat, because insulin is about getting glucose out of the blood and into your fat cells. If you can reduce the work that your insulin has to do 
by having lower glucose anyway and doing just fine. You're having lower glucose because you're now using some ketones or presuming. You know, it's like, wow, your insulin kind of has a partial vacation. Uh, you're getting better sleep. So you're you know, and so it's actually a very remarkable thing. The upside is, hey, I better sleep, I, I dream, and so on and so forth. I wake refreshed. That's what you want to hear. But the backstory is that you're not producing sugar anymore, glucose anymore for yourself. And that subsequently has another a, a series of dramatic changes that you just added. So that, that's very impressive. I, I love hearing that. Oh, and I wanted to add... It is. I wanted to add to that because, you know, it's reported and you can go into uh, Google Scholar or PubMed if you really want to drill down for it. If you look into ketogenic diet and uh, antidepressants uh, or mood, you know, improvement. And the reason that is what we've just discovered is, yes, we took the sugar out and the ketones and so on and so forth. But when the sleep comes in, starts getting better, all these other things tend to ameliorate, get better and better. And, and, and people are going, I'm not quite sure why this is. You know, you can measure it all these very, you know, different neurotransmitters. And, and, and that's all interesting, but it also doesn't matter. The reason it, these neurotransmitters are changing, and they're all really derived from because you had higher stress hormones, cortisol in particular, and adrenaline sometimes, is that, you know, now they're all resetting themselves. And uh, so it's a whole category of antidepressant as well. Um, uh, we haven't touched on that, and you didn't say that directly. You basically just said you had good sleep, but and you're never a person ever struck me as depressed. But do you in, sense in your own life now that there's kind of a, a mood change, or are you so oblivious to having fun in life now you're, you're unaware of it? One of the things that I did notice is that generally speaking, my mood has changed a whole lot, and um, it's uh, it's been for the better. Um, but what I find myself what I find myself doing, and you know, I, I always kind of attributed to more of like a, you know, like a mental awareness, alertness, consciousness type thing. But when I'm given information, I think about it for at least a moment or two before I say anything. And in those moments, those are usually when people decide whether they're going to react negatively or react positively to something or acting differently, whatever the case may be. And, you know, negativity has something that has been rolling itself far and far, further and further away from my day-to-day -day life, which is a super, super excellent thing. Just because, you know, when when you're, I, I know much like yourself, um, you know, uh, you're, you're a small business owner. When you're working, a lot of times, like you might be working by yourself or you might be working with a small group, maybe like maybe just you and Judy. Um, you know, when, when you're the only person that you have to rely on to take care of all of your tasks, having any negative frame of thought is the worst thing for you. And it's, it's so stifling on so many different levels. And in a lot of cases, you don't even realize it, that something that's totally unrelated to what it is that you're doing might be negatively affecting your output, of, your output at work, how you treat other people, the way you have conversations, all that stuff. It's like it's all, it's all, one, big, it's all one big ball of the same. Um, and I want to say that, um, oh, no, uh, I didn't have any problems with anything like that prior to this. Uh, no, that'd be a lie. Uh, you know, uh, I definitely get concerned, stressed, worried, sad about stuff like anybody else. The only thing is, is that I've been noticing a lot less of it. When I'm getting similarly negative or poor news about anything, I don't feel bad. I don't hold on to it. I'm just, uh, I can breathe. And it might be a, a, a culmination of, you know, eating better, getting not not getting that, that stress from not sleeping, feeling better because I might be losing weight, you know, subconsciously, all that stuff. But, you know, mood for sure. And I probably should be recording it more. Wow. That's impressive. That's impressive. So 
you know, we all are students and we all are teachers and you're uh, a student in this sort of context, but evolving to a teacher uh, uh, once you evolve this way, what would you say to somebody who's four weeks behind you or haven't started yet just on this particular aspect of, of mood? The only thing that I would probably say to somebody who hasn't started yet or somebody who's like, say, a month behind me who might be struggling or hitting those road bumps that are making it difficult for them in those moments. Oh, man, you know, I'm not really sure who said it. I'm not really sure who said it, but um, I'm actually just going to say a quote real quick. And I hate to be the, the tacky quote guy, but I, I always thought this one was so, so great. <laughs> um, if I quit now, I will soon be where I once was. And back then, I so desperately wanted to be where I am now. So when you think about that, right, and you really internalize it, you really, you're kind of just telling yourself like, ah, oh, I guess I just sort of have to like, you know, eat it and just sort of like, you know, be miserable for now. And like, I really wish that like that wasn't the case. But, you know, just know that everyone goes through whatever it is that you're going through when it, uh, regarding switching from a standard American diet or whatever diet that you had um, into a ketogenic diet. Um, and that everything that you're going through is normal and that it will absolutely pass. But the feeling of present you after you've passed to present you before you even started keto are two totally different people. So that negative person that might be telling you, oh, I can't do this. This will be hard. You're going to be laughing at that person once you get over that. Wow. That's impressive. I forgot. And, and you're also be a philosopher or maybe you already are, but that's great stuff. Um, no good. All right. So do you have any more in your checkoffs? Cause this is basically your list. I, I remember you're, you know, you're missing data in case nobody else has caught on to that. This guy is very data driven in his life. Um, but you were setting up for yourself. These are the things I'm going to measure, you know, and you know, the obvious one was weight because it's empirical mm -hmm. and we can all see it and it's a physical manifestation, but you had all these other ones. What about ment mental clarity? You know, that was something that people toss off like, what's mental clarity? So what I'll say to you now, how would you even I interpret that concept, mental clarity? How's mental clarity going for you, Brian? And, and you'll say, what exactly? Okay, so um, I would say that that definitely comes down to how honest you are with yourself. I know that I am a person who is very capable of being easily distracted under any circumstance whatsoever. So if for whatever reason, anything, it could be a shiny object floating in the corner of somewhere, I'll have to, I'll have to give it a peek. I can't, I can't help myself. But um, Brian, before ketogenic diet, um, regarding mental focus, I would sit down at my desk and very often and almost every single day I'd find myself frustrated because I would start working on something realizing that I had another project that was still open-ended that I needed to uh, hem up and of course I would stop what I would be doing to go and check out what it is that that was and you know I would look into a little bit further and lo and behold an hour would go by and I'd be starting it or I'd be working on it not realizing that I've literally put down another project to go ahead and work on that so I lost track of time um, I lost track of a lot of different things, staying on task, things like that. I mean, being distracted by my phone, being distracted by food, how easily I'm distracted by all, all other people and realizing uh, whether it be uh, whether it's being distracted by other people, you know, you realize that, OK, well, when it's just the one distraction, it's just one distraction. But if another distraction pops up and that's how your mentality is, all of a sudden that distraction is distracting you from the other one. And eventually you're going to get back to the other one. So it just becomes a revolving circle of distractions upon distractions upon distractions. Now, me, I know that that is a super convoluted, super messy uh, uh, method 
or circumstance regarding thought because I mean there's there's literally so much to be done. I mean, we're all busy people. We all have super involved lives that everybody feels that they're all super important, that everything that they're doing is, you know, paramount. When in reality, a lot of stuff that people do on a day-to-day basis is really very trivial. There's only a few things that we really need to take care of that are absolutely paramount. I am at the point now where I am just fed up and tired with being distracted by stuff. And because I know that I now like enjoy being involved and actually concentrating on a project for hours and hours at a time, all of a sudden I see myself taking those distractions away from myself, acknowledging them, putting them in drawers, keeping them away from me, working away from other people, choosing not to do certain pieces of my work at certain hours of the day, choosing to stay at the office. Like These are all things that as I've changed my relationship with food and as I've changed my relationship with um, how I think about work in general, I, I feel like I like it more because I'm actually doing it more. And it's, it's really difficult to sort, of, to sort of put it into words, but there is literally less in my brain that is keeping me from doing the things that I, uh, that I know I should be doing, be it uh, work-related tasks, um, things that I gotta take care of at the house, I'm remembering more things. I'm, I'm recalling things from memory a lot more. Things that I forgot to pick up while I was going grocery shopping. Little menial tasks, like even just adding a tag while I'm working while um, I'm working on um, on a recording. Just little things like that. But those little things, as small and insignificant as they may seem, make my life so much easier. I almost don't even really know how to how to really even address it without having with with it making any real sense. Um, I just like to think more or that there, whatever change is, is happening to my body or happening to me psychologically or mentally is just been a positive change that I've seen no negatives from. It's just been helping me. It's just been helping me, supplementing me in some way that I can't even really put into words. Good answer. A good, a good, a goody, goody. I love that. Um, on memory, do you have, uh, I will agree. So basically I'm, you're saying things that, that I know, and that's what I'm trying to have, have you say from your experience, but the memory is a big deal. Do you remember your dreams? Uh, so super nerd alert. Uh, all of my dreams have actually involved a Dungeons and Dragons character that I presently have in a campaign with a bunch of my friends here in Jersey. So, uh, <laughs> All of my dreams have been some some form of fantasy battle, magic related something rather that has absolutely blown me away. Uh, that's great. That is, that's such a good answer. That is such a good answer. So I bet I bet now, by the way, and and here's it's not meant to be a test question. If I said, okay, can you align yourself with the dream you had last night relative to your Dungeons and Dragons character? I mean, can you almost pick it up and saying, dang, I got to ask this guy this question when I get back to him tonight? I mean, is it that kind of thing almost? I can tell that they're in, um, but they're set in similar places, or at least I have the feeling that I'm in a familiar place, but I haven't gotten to the point where I'm going lucid and I'm actually having conversations with people. What I am recalling are actions. Um, I remember sensations or feelings. Like um, when I pick stuff off, I, when I pick things up, I can feel it, which is uh, really, really strange. And you know, it, it's just really interesting that like I'm that actively present in my own mind while I'm asleep. I know that when I was younger, I used to dream all the time, would dream the craziest things. But um, regarding vividness and all of that, I mean, it's, it's as real as my dreams have ever been. Well, that's, uh, as I say, it's like going to the movies. Good for you. You'll get to lucid in it. I'm not, I don't even hold that as an objective. I just, 
feel that it's an element that comes in and out uh, of these friends that you make at night, in your case, your characters. Okay, let's get to kind of the, the heart of it. Most people, when they think of ketogenic diet, the whole story is supposed to be about food. And, you know, so we, we started with you and said, all right, get, the first thing is, guess what? You're going to drop your carbs down to 20 grams. And thank goodness you're so data-driven and, and we have this uh, mutual site that we can look at uh, how you're doing. You know, I look at this and I don't see that you have any difficulty with it, but that would be a difficult place to start for a lot of people is like dropping carbs. It's a little bit like saying, guess what? We're going to go to a small island in Norway and I'm going to drop you off for a year. Not only do you not learn the language, you don't even have the clothes to live there, but it will work out. You just, you know, do your best. Uh, you you were like a fish in water. You you just picked it up. And I loved looking at the numbers. We'll, we'll talk about what's your side of that. It's like, did you will yourself out of discipline just to do this? Because you want, as you say, by your quote, you, you, you didn't want to quit. You didn't want to go back to where you were. Or has it been easy for you? Are you on a routine? Do you have obstacles? You go, gosh, I really miss that morning croissant with butter and coffee. Um, uh, or ice cream or whatever the thing is, or the beer. It's like, do you have any of these things that you miss or have any of these things that uh, are obstacles that you see that will be a problem for you to continue with? Well, you know, that's a really great question. What I found to be difficult in the beginning was mostly because like, you know, when we think about food, especially like if you're probably, if you're someone living in America, it's really difficult to imagine it without something, like some sort of bread, some sort of rice, some sort of breading on whatever protein it is that you're going to be having, something very, very much so potentially fried. And you think about all these things, you sort of like put them, you know, you sort of tuck them away and you're like, oh, okay, well, if I'm going on a diet, that means I can't have the good stuff, right? Well, for me, I've always known that the good stuff usually isn't the bread of whatever it is that you're eating or the rice that goes along with whatever the rest of the meal is. So once I got once I got to the point where, okay, I knew that I had like three or four different food options that I could that I could hang with, the guesswork started going away. And once the guesswork goes away, I mean, I'm at the point now where literally I will I'll just write down what it is that I'm eating on paper. I won't even go to my phone. I won't go to a computer. I'll write down all of the measurements for everything that I ate, knowing that I'm not even close to going over uh, 20, uh, 20 grams of carbs for the day. Just for uh, a, a quick, for instance, right? Yesterday, I consumed 1,716 uh, calories. I didn't even once think about entering any of the information into chronometer until uh, the very end of the day. I was at 9.6 grams. And that was like me, like literally not even thinking about what it is that I was going to be eating for the day uh, at all. So, you know, in the beginning, it was hard. I think I, there were two, I think there were two days. There was one day I ate 26 grams and I think there was another day I ate 21 grams. Um, and it was really early and I was super, super concerned about it. And I realized that like, that's like not a number that you should be intimidated by. 20 grams sounds really hard, but it's so much easier than you would really think that it is. I feel like, I feel like, Getting away from any mysticism of what that number might actually means, you know, that you have to be so hardline about it, I think uh, it goes away, especially when you start realizing how few carbs there are in food when you're not consuming sugar intentionally or like not having bread intentionally. I mean, I, I live in New Jersey. I'm in the bagel, uh, oh God, I dare I say pizza capital. I'm so sorry, New York. Uh, of uh, of the world, <laughs> and uh, I mean, literally within within a ten mile radius of me, I can get some of the best pizza that anybody will ever have. And you know, 
Uh, pizza is probably one of my favorite foods. I could probably I could probably eat pizza every single day. But one thing that I did not miss about eating all of these super carby foods when I made the transition was not feeling bloated or lethargic or tired after eating. That one change regarding diet made me feel so much better about ketogenic diet in general, just because I didn't realize how negatively that was affecting me, how much it was negatively affecting my mood, um, my ability to even want to do stuff. I mean, like, you know, when, if I have a really, really big lunch and like, I'm now I'm feeling really lethargic and I'm, I eat my lunch at two o'clock. If um, that's, if I'm not recording, usually it's like later in the day, but if I eat my lunch at like three 30, well, Hey, guess what's going to happen? I'm totally going to lose out on like the second half of my day because I'm going to be tired until basically dinner time. And at that point I'll probably be home. And if I go ahead and I do that and then I eat and then what uh, I did nothing except for eat a whole bunch of carbs all day sat around and got nothing done. You're not going to feel good about that at all. But when that changes and all of a sudden you don't stop, you stop feeling that lethargic feeling when you stop, uh, when you stop feeling um, bloated and you feel like you have all that energy that you can, you know, you're still awake, you're still with it together 100%, all of a sudden your relationship with that changes almost immediately. Um, I know I mentioned it earlier, but my relationship with food is has done a complete 180. I, I can't even I can't even compare my eating habits, or I, I have no desire to even go back to my old eating habits. Like every now and then, you know, I'll see a video of somebody making a really amazing brownie recipe with toffee and caramel and all this stuff, and it looks incredible. But then, like I think about it, I'm just like, I could probably eat like two bites of that before I realize I'd have to stop. It, it's it's just it's just not there. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't do the same for me anymore. I'm not sure if I. You've, I'm, you've matured. Yeah, I'm so, not sure if I if I if I directly answered your question. I kind of went off on a tangent there, but you know, you've done very well. That you've you've come a long way, grasshopper. As <laughs> I can say, you, you you really just nailed this thing. So some questions of how much dairy do you have, just generally speaking? And I ask that not because of you or that I'm watching, you know, what you're eating right now specifically, but you know. I find that is an independent variable in the ketogenic diet, and uh, some people sort of overprescribe it. I can't really have much of it at all. I make my exceptions, but I know I'll I'll be congested or have uh, stomach cramps or something. But that's just me, and not everybody's that, that way. How is dairy? Do you have any? What kind of dairy do you have? I see heavy cream there periodically. Uh, do you have a lot of cheese? Do you, you know, what, what are your limitations or just what has been your experience that you've chosen to use or not use? Carl, uh, in the grand scheme of all things, I'm probably, I'm probably, that might be the one area where I might be quote unquote a, uh, a bad keto newbie. <laughs> um, I actually consume a whole bunch of dairy. But there's a reason for this. It's not just because I, I mean, listen, I, I understand we had a conversation previously about how cheese is, uh, you, you made a comparison between your dairy and blood sugar and um, alcohol and alcoholics. Yep. Prior to me, prior to me switching over to a ketogenic diet, I had believed for many, many years that I was sensitive to dairy. And I'm not sure if it was a culmination of just poor health or what the case was, but I just, dairy just never worked well for me. Once I started switching over and I started introducing dairy and I started having it regularly, I saw zero problems whatsoever with me actually consuming dairy. I didn't have any negative effects regarding digestion. Um, and when I am at the gym, I don't find myself getting any excessive uh, burning in my muscles, which is what you would get from like lactic acid fermentation, which is another thing that is surprising because I thought that would basically just shoot right through the, right through the roof since I'm having cheese or heavy cream or butter almost every single day. But um, I'm having, uh, if I'm, I'm actually just going to click through really quick. Um, 
That's uh, yesterday, butter, heavy cream, cheese. The day before that, um, I see butter. I see cheese again. Um, the day after that, more cheese. The day after that, more cheese, more butter, heavy cream, every single day, basically without discretion. And not for nothing, it's really been helping me regarding uh, getting my fat, um, my fat portion of the day. I don't know why this happens to be the case. Mm-hmm. I just have I just have too much access to, to to chicken breast, so I'm eating chicken breast a lot more so than I would really really like to. Mm-hmm. And it's just like there's really no fat in it, so it really kind of messes up me trying to get more fat than protein on a, on any given day. So really, that's uh, it's really kind of holding me down, so to speak. But here or there, I have been using um, I have been using the MCT oil. However, I haven't been recording it because I don't know the best way to record it since it's sort of like a unique product and what it is and. I'm not really sure how it is that I should be interpreting that. The degree that you want to keep track of it, um, you can ballpark on a per teaspoon basis. You know, I mean, I, I had to, just a small tangent, uh, because I was working with Dr. Stephen Kinney, at least in, in correspondence, and I give him my ketone numbers, and he goes, what the heck are you doing? So then I had to figure out what I was dosing myself on a daily basis, you know, with the mayo included, and that what I put on it. So at some point, you may want to ballpark what your daily consumption is, and and now you know, you know, you reference it once, just like you've done everything else. Uh, reference it once, then you know how to put it in. Uh, I think it is valuable. I think you're doing great. So I, I am. I'm, I should say I'm not gonna. You're not broken, and I'm not gonna fix it. Uh, but I think it's a valuable addition. Uh, I looked at your, your. You're now, by the way, to transition. You're now taking uh, your blood ketones and your obviously blood. You've been doing blood glucose for a while, mm-hmm. um, and your numbers are good. They're gonna. Your ketone numbers are gonna. It's a continual transition, and uh, that will. It'll make other other changes. We haven't even gotten to working out, but you're going to see that even get stronger to the degree it's positive now, um, and sleep and all the other things that the ketones drive. But, um, but this is not necessarily a ketone loving diet, even though we call it a ketogenic diet. It's basically more about getting glucose down and giving your insulin a vacation, and then using this alternative source of uh, energy, uh, ketones, as a substitute. And uh, you're doing that fine. Um, I wanted to ask also, because uh, do you have salt in your diet? Are you using salt? Um, yes, I, I am using I am using salt. I'm not sure where you stand regarding uh, measuring salt, because I don't think that I've ever measured salt before in my life. Uh, prior to ketogenic diet, I had absolutely zero taste for salt. Could not eat salty foods couldn't stomach them. They, they hurt my stomach. Um, I just wouldn't think that it tasted very good at all in just in general. Here I am five, six weeks into ketogenic diet and I find myself putting salt in everything. And, uh, you know, um, I, uh, I, I don't really know uh, much to say about that. Literally, I'll, I'll literally take salt in a shaker and I'll just shake it onto whatever it is that I'm eating. Um, I've yet to make anything that is too salty for myself. Um, and I know that in the the measurements. I don't know if I. I don't know if I've ever put an entire teaspoon in my food. Um, normally, if I'm going to put salt on something, if I'm cooking it, I'll put it after I've cooked it, not before, not during. Um, but uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if. Uh, I'm not sure how I should be accounting for that. If I should just be like putting a guesstimation or what, what the case may be. 
I would leave it. You're exactly right. Do it all by taste. Uh, I'm exactly the way you are. I had no desire for salt in anything. I sort of avoided it only because I thought it was synthetic crap and I didn't like salty food. Uh, no, I do a pinch in everything. I do a pinch in my coffee. I do a pinch on my food. I just, um, you, it's by your, up to your taste, but I'm glad you're doing it. Uh, and, and this is sort of a, a public announcement about salt uh, for people on ketone, uh, the ketogenic diet. And that is, we talked about you know, when you stop having carbs, which is the uh, carbohydrate, it's a carb water, you know, molecule. Well, the and that's an interesting way of saying why we're we're, we're dropping weight initially. That first uh, ten pounds for you is was in everybody. It's pretty much that way, and then you go into a whole transition. Is that uh, when you have fewer carbs in your diet, uh, your kidneys do a, a reset. That is, the reset is that they tend to restrict less sodium, and they discharge more sodium. And so when you're when you're retaining less sodium, it also means you're retaining less water. So a lot of people lose that water weight right up front. So it is important to have salt. And when you think about, you know, old expressions like he's worse as salt and you know, where did these expressions come from? Clearly, well before there was table salt around and, and salt was as as popular as now, is that salt was a, a pretty hard thing to come by. And that was one of the one things that they, you know, so where did the ketogenic diet come from? We think it came from a couple million years ago, Pale- Paleolithic time, et cetera, et cetera. But there was very, a time in which there was very few carbs on a regular basis, and therefore salt was very important to them. And so it's very important to us right now. So I, th- that's why I asked, because people can get into trouble if for some reason they're not starting to take salt and they, they're going to start finding themselves cramping up and uh, having other issues about dehydration because your sense of thirst, I'll speak for myself, is just not that prominent. So it's almost a, if you add salt in there, you'll at least be more conscious of drinking water. Do you drink water much? Do you have any sense of thirst about yourself? Oh boy. Um, I don't know where my thirst went, but it, it has dwindled quite drastically. I think, I think, I think like two or three weeks ago when we had a conversation, um, I was telling you about how thirsty I was, I was all the time. I think it was like my body just responding to just be generally just generally being dehydrated and not doing very much about it. But I'm at the point now where I I don't I don't think about drinking water. I don't like thirst is like one of the it's like a it's like a fleeting memory. Like I I literally go, tell myself to drink water because my mouth is dry and I'm because I'm noticing that my mouth is dry, not because I'm actually like thirsty. Like my body's like, "Oh, dude, I need water like right now." It's like you know, I could totally, I could totally wet my mouth real quick. I could do that, you know, and like I'll go, I'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll right, get up right. and I'll go and I'll have like, you know, like a, I'll, I'll have like a cup of water and 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 get get back to it. But it's funny because I mean, even like, I mean, I remember I went to the gym the other day, and I remember leading up to going to the gym. Now you should be, you should really be drinking water if you know you're going to go to the gym. You're going to sweat a whole bunch, right? I had half a, I had half a glass of water leading into going to the gym. I was at the gym. I drank half a Poland spring bottle of water, right? And maybe, maybe I finished it on my way home. I took a shower. I went to bed. I didn't even clear a liter of water that day. And I worked out for like an hour and 10 minutes. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. to myself, like, Dude, you know, I'm going to get thirsty at some point. You know, like, is this, is this bad for me? Is this dangerous? Like, should I be concerned about dehydration at this point? Because, I mean. What I say, and an answer it for other people asked a similar question, uh, because this is a standard question. Uh, place to be when you get into the ketogenic diet. Be conscious of water. Um, I don't force myself to drink a lot of water. And uh, yeah, sometimes I go to the gym and I come back from the gym with the same full bottle of water. So it's it's about salt. 
And so keep your salt up. It drives your thirst. When you know you're going to be at the gym, be at, the gym at least bring your water bottle and try to be conscious of drinking it. Uh, but it's one of those things. It's odd. And uh, you could say it's it's not necessarily dangerous unless you're doing something on the other side of the equation that makes you even be more, you know, diuretic. You're getting even more fluids out because you would think it's actually probably a good thing if you're thinking back to where this diet supposedly existed millions of years ago is that uh, the the low salt, salt was hard to come by. So people had low salt. They ate uh, very few carbs. Um, sweating less and getting rid of fluids would be something that would have to adapt as well to preserve your fluids and so not to be an automatic uh, sweater or automatic, you know, y- urinate a lot. So those functions are, are kept in check. But still, we're making this transition from the 20th century and all the foods we've eaten before. So I'd be a little more conscious, uh, and I say this to everybody, myself included, of drinking water. You know, I uh, it's just not a natural for me, and uh, it should be. So it, it's usually a trigger Getting into the next little thing, the trigger is usually muscle cramps and so on. Do you have you had any muscle cramps? I mean, it's, it's are you hell and hearty, and you don't even know what I'm talking about, or does it happen to you every so often? My right calf is the is the culprit in uh, in that scenario. Um, there is a position that uh, there is a technique in uh, in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Um, it's called butterfly guard. Um, you actually hook your feet into uh, behind the thighs of the person who is attacking you at that moment so you can sweep them, throw them, do all sorts of stuff. Um, there is a sweep from there that I really, really like, and uh, I've tried it twice, and both times I cramped midway both times. So I've definitely been trying to get a little extra stretch in, and uh, regarding that, if I know I'm going to go to the gym, I try to drink a little bit more water. But um, that's uh, my first uh, my first experiences with any kind of cramping. Yeah. No, I say, so let that be sort of the, the harbinger for you because uh, some people wake up in the middle of the night because they have a charley horse, usually from their calf, sometimes their leg. Um, so the, the two causes are water. We've already covered that. The other is um, it is well documented that people on a ketogenic diet tend to get low in magnesium and magnesium is serves a lot of, a lot of functions in our body, but one of them in it, it serves in terms of muscle relaxation. The calcium is the contractor. Calcium is released from the sarcomeres, so on and so forth, and it makes our muscles, you know, strength. You know, suddenly we can flex. Um, but what what releases? What makes it so we can then stretch that muscle out is the releasing of magnesium. It's the opposite. What I would suggest, you know, it's and I mentioned before, is like you get a magnesium supplement. They're they're all good. Just do not get two kinds don't get uh, magnesium oxide and do not get magnesium sulfate otherwise known as epsom salts they're just uh not as effective they're not terrible they will give you more loose stools and less about magnesium getting into your blood um i generally prefer and i haven't heard other people suggest this coming from a naturopathic background i prefer a calcium mag uh, magnesium combination so we call it CalMag. uh it's been used as long as i since the early 90s and probably 100 years before that, for that particular reason. Now, I found that much more effective with cramps than just giving people magnesium. But, you know, you can choose. So a lot of people use magnesium uh, uh, citrate, and that's fine if people don't have a citric acid problem. And some people do, just like people have dairy problems. Um, And so uh, glycinate, malate, all those are fine. Uh, I I prefer calm. CalMag, but down the road. So now when you, uh, you've, you've had a little, you know, bout happened when you're exercising and it certainly stretch and all those other good things to do. But, um, I would guess that it's precipitated by, uh, your lack of water and you're knowing 
a lack of magnesium. You know, you're going to probably get more of that, in other words. So merely FYI. I was just going to say, uh, if you have any more, you know, questions or something you want to pop into it, we'll sort of bring this to a close. But um, yeah, go for it. Um, yeah, so um, I've basically been um, flying blind, so to speak, uh, this entire time. Um, I've basically, the only thing that I've, I, I've basically gone into ketogenic diet conceptually. Um, and I'm actually going to go ahead and reiterate a little bit further for all of the people who might be listening. Carl Goldcamp, the gentleman who is helping me and coaching me along uh, this process, or not necessarily coaching me, but sort of guiding me, so to speak, through this process, he's a doctor. He knows a lot about everything, and if he wanted to get into the nitty-gritty and really crunch the numbers super hard, we could totally do that. But I went on the advice of don't overthink it, only focus on the 20 grams of total carb, and try to try to see if you can get more fat than protein. And that's basically more or less how I've been how I've been going about my day. If I'm not sure about something, I'll literally go into chronometer if I'm not sure about what it is that I'm about to eat. And I'll put the whole meal together into chronometer first just to look at it. And I actually took about probably like half hour, 45 minutes in the very beginning um, playing around with different food combinations, just seeing what the results regarding the macros would be. And more or less now, every time I go into the kitchen, I usually won't measure anything until after I've actually cooked it. And uh, what it's actually doing for me is it's giving me the opportunity to, A, maybe portion something out for myself for later on in the day or the next day, which is always great. Or another thing, too, sort of gives me a better idea uh, via trial and error whether or not I'm doing the wrong things preparing my, my, my food. I just figured, like, okay, I got 20 units. Okay, that's half a carb. All right, cool. And just sort of rocking it that way. I know that some, 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 some of the cheeses that I eat have... Uh, carbs in them along with certain other things that I've had like certain types of sausage and stuff like that that I know had some semblance of carb um, going on in there. Um, in every case, I if I knew it was going to have sausage, I always allotted myself a little bit um, more uh, more carbs for that part of the day that I knew I was going to do that. But so long as like you're more or less uh, being mindful of, okay, I'm not exceeding 20 carbs. Okay, am I getting more fat than protein? Like that's pretty much like how I've been flying this whole time. There was never really any exact measurements or anything like that. In the very, very beginning, yeah, there was a whole, whole bunch of that. But that was because my eye didn't know what, you know, uh, 50 grams of bacon would look like. My eye didn't know what, um, you know, what half a cup or a cup of chicken cut up would look like, you know, things like this. And so, you know, as those as those mysteries sort of peel themselves back, it just... It, you feel more and more relaxed about doing the same things that you've been doing the whole time, which is more or less, you know, where where I'm at right now. It's a lot easier said than done, but when you start doing it, you realize how truthfully easy it actually is. No, that's that's exactly the vibe that I try to uh, have people pick up on is to keep it simple. You know, you look at what's the most critical thing they can do. It's obviously control their carbs. And after that, to the degree that they're comfortable and they're willing, you're a data guy. Uh, look at the amount of go calculate your protein and just leave it simple for a while and uh, find out what shows up in their lives as an obstacle and start working with those obstacles. So uh, it's it's kind of a uh, way I like to implement it because if you give too many variables to anybody, it, it makes it very uncomfortable to start and they feel that it's inevitable failure no matter what direction they do. So we just gave you one thing to think about for the most part. Excellent. Good answer. Good answer. So um, 
want me to close it out? I think that was a good summary. I, I really appreciate this talk today. Are you, do you have everything uh, you want to say? Go ahead. That was basically everything. Um, I, I really have, um, I have a couple of questions that I want to prepare for the next time that we speak, just because um, I'm, we're getting a little bit closer for us to do the, um, the DNA uh, analysis and the blood work. And I just had a couple of questions um, regarding that, but um, regarding what is it we're doing now? Um, I mean, geez, I, I, normally this is like the part of the, this is the part of the show where I, I'd ask like, oh, hey, so is there anything that you want me to change from this week, from this week to next week? But, um, you know, uh, I mean, is there anything that you want me to change or add or to consider? Not really. So I look at, you know, you've dropped now a little over 20 pounds. So we're about, I think we had a 60 pound goal. So you're a third of your way there. So I'm happy with that because that's kind of the, the ticket that you want, we wanted to measure that was important to you. And it looks like that's now just a side effect, which is great. Uh, I've watched your calorie consumption. It's been up and down, which I'm fine with. Nobody's a robot. And your lowest day was 320 calories in one day. Uh, that's impressive because you're following what what's important to you as opposed to trying to fill in a box with numbers. Um, no, I would say unless, you know, in, in, if this simple approach is working and you have all the the good things to say that you said about it, I would leave it at that. There's no little, one more little trick up my sleeve. We're going to, um, because you're still transitioning. Your body is still adapting to all these little things. Um, I just look for cramps. And I look for, you know, the things we've already talked about. And if we can stay out of the woods there, I mean, I get cramps every so often and it reminds me, these are the things I need to do, need to do. But um, I think we're good. We have no problems and I don't see any problems creeping up, but uh, that's the method here is to sort of treat the obstacles as they're, as they're going. You clearly are doing what you set out to do on the carbs. And um, I'm interested to see how ketone levels, blood ketone levels will uh, transition for you. I don't care that they go up any more than they are. Uh, there's studies out there, they say that are as effective even less. I, I, I tend to run three to seven on a regular basis. Don't know how I got there, but that's my norm now. And, and that's fine too. So different people are at different levels. Uh, all good things, Brian. I, I, I think it's a spectacular uh, opportunity to uh, for you to share and for me to be witness to uh, your transition. I really appreciate your spirit. I certainly appreciate your accomplishments. Oh, I, I sincerely thank appreciate you. it. Thank you for thank you for holding my hand through the process. I really do appreciate it as well. But um, this is actually uh, this is a, a really super layman's question that I have to have to ask because I'm sure um, a lot of the people who are listening to this are have been unaware um, regarding numbers. Um, today, I checked my blood ketone, and I was showing a 2.7 uh, for, for ketone. Um, am I in ketosis? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, arguably, and there's not enough experts on there, but we'll say it's more of a consensus out there that you can say anything beyond 0.5 uh, ketones, that is uh, milligrams per deciliter, uh, makes you qualifies you as in ketosis i tend not to so that's the statement you sort of it's like a disclaimer you have to sort of say that so you can cross it once you're in it you're in it um i like seeing numbers a little meatier like your 2.7 i like to see things that are uh, i like closer to three but people will argue you just need to be at 0.5 to one and a half so those are the numbers we're, we're all sort of trying to get, finding out a little place here but no you've always you've been in you've been over 0.5 for a while um and yeah, I know you've just gotten into take, starting your blood ketone levels, yeah. and uh, so we'll see where those goes. I think uh, my lowest my lowest reading for blood ketone. Um, hold on a second. 
think I'm trying. I'm I'm going through real quick just to see if I can get a, a good pulse here. I think the lowest that I've had for for blood ketone so far. Um. Oh, geez. Lots of consistent plus uh, over two point seven. Let's see a three point three here. Mm -hmm. I think my lowest mm -hmm. was like a one point one or a one point two once I was once I was actually taking it by blood. But that's actually a really really important thing because I'm sure that a lot of people who are getting into diets just in general, um, they worry so much about those numbers. I have been less than exact regarding what foods I should be eating. Um, the only thing that I've been I've been trying to stay hardline about is that staying below 20 total grams of carbs and without very much thought about it at all and without really doing too much measuring of really anything, here I am. I am in ketosis. So anybody who's thinking that, you know, it might be too complicated, they, have, they don't want to think about all this stuff, kind of winging it as best I could because I didn't really have, you know, I didn't, I'm not, I'm not in a position to do a whole lot of meal prep. I have very, very little time to myself in general. So the fact that Yes, we successfully made it into uh, ketosis, uh, not really being super, super duper exact. I, I kind of like that. I think that's actually good. And I, I really hope that some people can feel good about that. Yeah, no, I think so. Uh, to summarize all that you said, and you sort of said it before, is sort of getting your head out of the way. Your body has its own intelligence. And this is just one of those things. You know, you feed it. Uh, now we're just talking about macros. We haven't got into the quality of foods, but I know that you've had some good quality of foods. Get out of the way of your body doing what it needs to do. And this, this is now the empirical representation of that statement. How's that? Okay, with that, with that, let's, uh, I'd love to close it out and simply wrap it up with a couple things. There's a few questions I'm going to ask you, if not the next session, then this, uh, if I'll write these things down. We're going to talk about what they call the Dawn Effect. We're going to, ask, and don't answer these, Brian, mm -hmm. and I'm going to uh, ask you about if you've taken any sort of glucose and ketone readings after any of your workouts and what they look like, uh, because that's a big deal. And uh, then we're going to ask more about any sort of strength training or workout training feedback you may have experienced. And don't answer that, Brian, until we get to it. <laughs> All right. So with that, thank you, everybody, for being uh, listening again. And I hope this has been valuable. It's certainly been valuable for us two guys here. Um, I would like to remind you again, please email me any questions. Carl, K-A-R-L, at Salamander, S-A-L. M-A-N-D-E-R dash bay, B-A-Y dot com. So it's carl at salamanderbay.com. You can put it in your native language if you want to. I'm sure I can get a translator on it through uh, Google. And I'd be happy to answer your questions and uh, shout you out. Okay, fantastic. And of course, anybody can, uh, can come ch uh, check you out at your Facebook group, uh, Keto Naturopath, correct? You bet. You're always invited to that. Fantastic. Thanks for reminding me. Not a problem. Hey, you have a Take great care. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening. For anybody who has any questions, feel free to contact me on our Facebook group, Keto Naturopath. Same name as our podcast. I'm open to any questions, and we plod through the good and the bad, the difficult and the easy, week after week.